2: Welcome back into Race Matters Monday Afternoons. I am Sarah Khan.
1: I'm Darren Lasagas.
2: And today on Race Matters, we've got a really exciting guest here with us today to talk through some, obviously we do some groundbreaking stuff here, but we're just going to do groundbreaking stuff all over again.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Every Monday at 5.30. Break some ground.
2: I know. We do better work than the United Nations. (laughs) But before we begin, as always, I want to pay my respects to the lands that we are meeting on right now. FBI Radio stands on the grounds of the Gadigal people who have been a part of this land and landscape for 80,000 years prior and will be here and continue to be here after us. This is the birth of Black Resistance and Black Theatre in Redfern where FBI is standing. And so it's always going to be a special place for us to be here as Race Matters hosts on FBI Radio on Gadigal Country. So I'd like to acknowledge their elders, both past, present and emerging
1: in just a moment we're going to be joined by tyree barnett uh, a writer who is part of the sweatshop collective which is a literacy uh, movement based in western sydney uh, which is devoted to empowering groups and individuals from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds he's speaking as part of a panel at carriage works this saturday as part of the uh, nick cave exhibition It's the final week weekend of the exhibition. There'll be five sweatshop writers performing live readings in response to until, uh, which is a play on the phrase, innocent until proven guilty, or in this case, guilty until proven innocent. Uh, Before we get Tyree on, uh, shall we jump into a track first? Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. What Uh, have we
2: got for us for our first track? We
1: have Kendrick Lamar featuring SZA, this is All The Stars, and you're on Race Matters on FBI 94.5.
3: My mama, that's the real shit. Let's talk about love. you
4: Get away from me If you do, I won't move
2: you are listening to fbi 94.5 that was kendrick lamar and scissor all the stars just had to throw what that one in there for black panther getting all the oscar noms this week and doing pretty well the oscars as well just gotta always chant that black excellence so back again with race matters this is sarah khan and darren lasagas and we are joined in the studio by sweatshop writer tyree barnett and he'll be speaking at the sweatshop nick cave readings this saturday at carriage works it's 11 a.m and free to attend with other sweatshop writers shirley lee Stephen Pham, uh, Phoebe Grainer, and Sarah Saleh. So welcome, Tari.
1: Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming in. Um, Tyree, you wrote a great piece last year called Being an African-American Amer- African Man in Australia, uh, which covers a lot of ground uh, in the way of the types of experiences and cultural phenomena that occur in Australia if you um, are a person of color living in white Australia. What prompted you to write it in the first place?
0: Sure. So, being a part of the Sweatshop Collective, uh, I was uh, asked to provide a narrative of my experience here in Australia. And uh, in thinking about what the best thing to talk about was, my wife and I, we arrived six years ago now. A lot of it at the time was going out, you know, going out at night, um, uh, social events, getting to know the city. And a lot of the reoccurring thing I kept coming across was, similar to back where I'm from in North Carolina in the U.S., you know, a lot of clubs play black music. You know, yeah. they play hip-hop, urban music, uh, but they don't always always admit black people, um, even if there are black bouncers or bouncers of color um, outside. You know, it doesn't mean that just because you hear your music and you see your people at the door that you're always welcome. And so when I explored that uh, narrative deeper and provided more details and layers to it, that was a common theme of like, you know, there is still that, um, exclusion here you know in a unique way in terms of like the nightlife yeah it, it being one aspect of like you know my experience but that was the aspect that i was drawn most toward
2: yeah and it's really something that hasn't been touched on enough because we have a lot of these kinds of yarns around gentrification mm. especially in where we are right now which is red fern mm-hmm. and it's taking all of those parts of black culture indigenous culture all of those appealing parts of it to make it more profitable but you make it but then in the in, at the expense of doing that, you're also raising the rent so that the people that were here before you, which, you know, unfortunately, majority of minorities in this country are part of a lower socioeconomic status. So mm-hmm. then they can't afford the rent. They can't afford the space. And then they have to be pushed out by other white developers that come in. Mm-hmm. But they're coming in, pushing you out, but taking all the parts of their culture they love the most so that their businesses can flourish. Mm-hmm. And so when you touched on the whole um, aspect of nightclubs, that was something that I hadn't even considered... As a separate thing like especially with the bounces as Mm -hmm. well and you explained in your sbs piece about um the uncle the phenomenon of the uncle tom so can you just give a brief outline of that term
0: sure so uncle tom the uh the term derives from harriet beecher Stowe's novel of the same name uncle tom's cabin and what it basically is it's a minority who is put in a position of power by um i guess the oppressive majority in in this case it was white people Um, And the minority, even though they are in a position of power, they know that they are ultimately subservient to the white uh, dominating class. And so they use their position of power to um, exploit and put down other uh, people of color, especially other people of color from their own race or ethnic group. And so when you think about the bouncers, and not all bouncers, of course, but the ones that I've encountered um, in my piece, they are the perfect example of the Uncle Tom, the person who's been plucked, from, you know, the applications of people that have applied to be bouncers and who have have said, look, this many people can get in, they look like this, they can't get in, et cetera, et cetera, you deal with it, you know, putting them in power, a a position of power to oppress others that look like them.
2: Yeah. We have something similar with other Uncle Toms in our own government amongst First Nations people. Mm. You know, you have people like Jacinta Price and Warren Mundine that are part of the Liberal Party and spout really racist narratives about their own people Mm. to get brownie points among the one percenters, amongst, you know, the colonisers. Right. You know, to kind of justify their own kind of political gain and wealth. And it's really, like, the whole Uncle Tom term is a really perfect way to, because it's really hard to kind of explain mm-hmm. these types of um, experiences and narratives. So a term like Uncle Tom, like it's just a really ideal way to kind of just label something that's mm-hmm. already quite complex and trying to reiterate.
0: Exactly. There are layers to it, right? But it's very applicable across, I'm sure, many different ethnicities of color. There, There is always going to be that subset of people.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Um, the term I, I another term that you had coined that really clarified it for me when I was reading the piece was hierarchy of blackness mm-hmm. and I assume you coming to Australia and um, kind of uh immersing yourself in a culture that also uh is built on the genocide of black people uh whose land was taken away Mm -hmm. uh in australia also kind of factors into your um experiences as a black man in australia how Mm -hmm. has that been navigating since you've been here
0: yeah so it's been uh strange um unfairly enough you know because of the american part of african-american uh you know my nationality um, I'm afforded certain privileges that I wouldn't get back at home, you know, because I'm American, I'm seen to have more experience, to have, um, a level of education, a level of sophistication, and overall just to be cooler, because I'm black, you know, I'm a cool <laughs> mm-hmm. black guy, you know. Um, and so, there, there have definitely been advantages, but, um, as my wife and I and friends have said, before we open our mouths and you realize, oh, they're not from here, they don't even sound African. Um, then they go, oh, they're they're maybe African American or maybe they're African Canadian. Oh, that's different, you know. So that hierarchy comes in by, oh, you're not you're not African from Africa, mm-hmm. you know. So you're not like the poor people I see on TV with the flies. Are on their heads you know and and me having to give money to UNICEF for you're actually like one of the rich black people you're like you're like P Diddy you're like you know Jay-Z you're like one of them (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and so and then people want to kind of gravitate towards you and be around you and so Mm -hmm. the hierarchy comes from just that people's uh, misinterpretation of um, different areas and what blackness means and what blackness you know entails and just assuming that okay you're not African black so You must be rich because all African people are poor or uneducated or swindlers or they're in African gangs or, you know, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Yeah.
2: Yeah. African people can't be a part of the middle class. Mm. Right. Exactly. It's either one percenters or poverty. It's insane. It's the same way for First Nations mob here. Mm. And one question I wanted to throw in real quick was, you know, how did you like could what's the is there a stark difference between racism in America and the racism in Australia because Australia is a fairly new country mm. and Australia really struggles with its own identity and the fact that this land has been illegally stolen and there is no real strong identity because it's only 230 years old so mm. people that have come from a coloniser you know, ancestry lines they kind of struggle with that kind of on un- that you know that kind of understanding that they're not really from here mm. and do you kind of, do you see that in a way in terms of like the difference in to, in the colonization of both America and Australia and is there a gap there because of the timeline with the racism?
0: I definitely do. There is a difference. I feel like, um, and, and this is an ever-evolving sort of discovery of mine, but at, at the point I am right now, I feel like uh, Australian racism is a bit behind, a bit more ignorant, but not as oppressive as it is for me in the U.S. Yeah. Um, racism in the U.S. is all-encompassing. It's entrenched, it's mature, it's sophisticated, and it's brutal. Yeah. Um, here, it is still some of those things, speaking from an African-American's perspective, but because I have the American part attached to my nationality, um, I don't always get afforded the brunt of it, you know. It's it's only from people who, because normally it's like, oh, you're African American, you grew up English speaking, you're from America, you're from another colonized country. Well, you we'll take you on. You're one of us, you know. Mm-hmm. You're you're on this side of the sort of the fence, you know. And I've even been in uh, at certain point in the evening when alcohol is involved, people will say something like, ah, oh, you know, I wish the Aboriginals would stop complaining, you know, about yeah. uh, where they are and they drink too much and et cetera, et cetera. So you're so eventually, like f- you're well and truly taken into the fold, so to speak, um, and they stop seeing you as like black and seeing you as ah oh, well, you're mm-hmm. you're American, you know. So like, so like you get it, you know. You have your Native Americans there that have the same problems as the Aboriginal American or Aboriginal Australians, et cetera, is often what comes out. So there is a bit of a difference in that, in a really sick, disgusting way. You're a part of like. The good old boys club. Yeah. You know, but there is still always that reminder of if I go into a nightclub, or if I'm trying to get an Uber or try and try to get a cab, you know, until I open my mouth up, or sometimes even if I do, um, there's always that assumption that, uh, oh, you're black, yeah. you're probably African, you know, you're probably going to hustle me or, or cheat me or et cetera. I don't know if I want you here in my club, so on and so forth.
2: Mm. Yeah, Australia is pretty. Dumb in its racism. (laughs) I've always, uh, I always thought that Australia was really stupid in its racism. Mm. Even the way that people try to articulate their racism, I'm just like, I can run circles around this. It's so. Yeah. Incredibly naive. I have a story um,
1: that speaks exactly to that. Really? Yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to tell you guys after this next track. Mm, uh, sure. If you've just tuned in, tuned in, you're listening to Race Matters with Darren Lasaga, Sada Khan. Right now, we have Sweatshop writer Tyree Barnett in the studio with us, who is one of five riders doing a reading at Carriage Works this Saturday at 11 a.m. It's totally free, so make sure you do head along as part of the Nick Cave Until exhibition. We'll be back after this next track by Childish Gambino language warning this is america
3: we just wanted- I gotta carry him. Yeah, yeah, I'ma go into this. Yeah, yeah, this is Gorilla. Yeah, yeah, I'ma go get the bag. Yeah, yeah, or I'ma get the pack. Yeah, yeah, I'm so cold, like, yeah. I'm so dull, like, yeah. We gon' blow like, yeah. Up. Got up. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't you Look what I'm whipping now. <laughs> this is America. Yeah, yeah. Don't catch you slipping now. Hey. Hey. Don't catch you slipping now. Hey. Look what I'm whipping now. Hey. Look how I'm geeking now. Hey. I'm so pretty. <laughs> I'm on Gucci. <laughs> I'm so pretty. Yeah, yeah. I'm on move. Yeah. This is selling. Uh, cool. yeah. On my Kodak. Plug on who hacker hockey They gonna find you like a floo America I just checked my follow and listen you, you motherfuckers owe me I- get
1: Is Childish Gambino. This is America. You are listening to Race Matters on FBI 94.5. You're with Sada Khan, Darren Lasagas, and Tyree Barnett right now, sweatshop writer and speaking at Carriage Works this Saturday for the Nick Cave and Sweatshop readings. Uh, before the Childish Gambino track, we were talking about, uh, to put it simply, how Australia's racism is dumb <laughs> uh, <laughs> as opposed to the age sophistication yeah. of America's racism. And uh, I th- mentioned before about a time in which i had experienced racism in uh public uh because uh tyra your piece uh being african-american in australia had touched on a lot of experiences of racism that you had um, been encountered in public Mm -hmm. one time i was walking down oxford street with friends on a saturday night um oxford street is um you know the home of queer people in sydney Um, known for um, queer-friendly bars, queer-friendly pubs, etc. I was walking down the street with my friends and we were on the way to a show or whatever. And these two guys were walking uh, uh, towards us and one of them points in my face and just yells, gay Asian, gay Asian, (laughs) gay Asian, like into my face. Mm. And I was so shocked because I was like, what the hell just happened and I kept walking and then when I registered what had happened I was like no I'm going to turn around and go follow him and then my friends were holding me back being like no 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 don't do it it's not worth it Mm. and then it just like rattled me for days because it was just yeah that's what I am and yet it had turned into this slur or this thing that needed to be pointed out in public and made me feel kind of worthless for being named that in public and yeah yeah, that just now I'm thinking about it was super dumb yeah (laughs) that's what I was just thinking
2: but that's like the stupidity of the, mm. races, of the racism doesn't doesn't deny the fact that it's still like incredibly insulting, demeaning, can like affect you for days. Exactly. Mm. You know, it puts you in a position like where your mental health is uh, affected in a way, yeah. even though it is really stupid yeah. and like yeah, we like you can say like just you know like oh it's not that big of a deal, it's just words. It's like nah man, like this exactly. kind of this kind of stuff like affects us for f- days after. Like we're working through it in our mind and kind mm. of. Getting annoyed at ourselves that we didn't do something else or do something more, you mm-hmm. know.
1: Yeah. And Tyree, yeah, you use these three words when you're talking about encountering uh, experiences like that in public, and they were feelings of rage, violation, and powerlessness, and mm-hmm. that completely encapsulated what I had felt during and during processing what had happened. Um, and as part of this sweatshop uh, uh, reading that you're doing this Saturday, you are exploring issues of uh, how they can be turned into those feelings can be turned into actions of resistance. Right. In your opinion, how do you
0: turn those feelings into uh, feelings of hope and resistance? That's a good question. Um, The first thing is to, you know, allow yourself to be angry, allow yourself to be hurt, you know. Being a minority, uh, oftentimes you're dealing with microaggressions, you know, it may not be one or two or three things uh, at one time, maybe spread over a few days or a few hours, but allow yourself to be angry. Um, For me, just every now and then just writing it down you know helps or, or talking about it with others um, and surrounding yourself with people with friends like that were pulling you back from you know beating the guy down or whatever you felt like doing at that point surround yourself with people that understand that will listen to you and that you know will hurt or will acknowledge when you're hurting people that won't say ah it's you know that won't just ignore it or won't you know acknowledge it you know if you're listening and you happen to be white and you have friends of color or friends of other minorities, um, it's important for you to speak up. It's key for you to speak up, you know, and provide them that support. Um, and then from there, we can begin to build true coalitions and have true, you know, uh, allies or or what um, one of the uh, past Sydney Peace Prize winners from Black um, Lives Matter called uh, co-conspirators, which I thought was a great word which she used at the time. Um, people that will conspire with you to take down the system of white oppression. Yeah. Um, and so turning that anger uh, into words, into actions, and also, you know, if if you happen to be wronged at a physical location or at a business or or by a person, addressing them, whether it be the business on Facebook or not going back, you know, banning them or what have you, using your collective power, especially economic power, because that's often what speaks the loudest, um, to address that that wrong until it's until it's corrected in a meaningful way.
2: Yeah. There was just so many amazing points that just got listed out right there. Yeah, I'm trying like, to. I was the whole the time you were talking. I was like, "That's my favorite point. That's my favorite <laughs> point. That's my favorite point." <laughs> but I, what the first point you said then was ale- like allowing yourself to be angry. Yes. Because so often we are to dismiss our feelings, right? You know the whole term, you know, they're just words, you know, but they don't—they're not just words. And we were having this yarn in the break about how words can affect your mental health too. And oh no, that wasn't in the break—that you were on there. <laughs> Never mind. Um, Monday, but um, I had something similar where because we have Reconciliation Week in Australia, right. And Reconciliation Week, a lot of a lot of a lot of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people can't stand Reconciliation Week because it is a white initiative to kind of dismiss and deny their own white guilt about the history and kind of say we're all coming together and singing kumbaya mm-hmm. and at the end of the day reconciliation weeks you, you end up being doing more work than anybody else like all the white fellows in the organizations will come up to you and ask you to do this job this job this job to you know promote reconciliation and promote their numbers for diversity mm. in the workplace mm. and i had a massive I had a massive breakdown in Reconciliation Week last year because I was so mentally exhausted and fatigued and I was getting... And then I had someone make, like, a a racial remark... Racial remark at me um, when I was leaving the workplace too, and I was at the height of like being tired, and I just rant. I just got onto my Facebook, and I don't usually rant on Facebook, but I just felt like it needed to be said, and I put a bit of, a whole thing down about how reconciliation week and kind of any kind of workplace for identified people for Aboriginal people in identified roles, we do more work for less pay, mm, you know, right. and we're often told to invalidate our feelings to make the institutions feel better mm-hmm. about whatever because you know especially with places like museums you know they kind of don't want to acknowledge their past either and then Mm. at the end of it I just wrote I'm angry and that's okay and then so many people came back on board and said just that last line was all I needed to hear was just I'm angry and that's okay like yeah because it was kind of like yeah here's my massive rant but I'm still okay but I'm just angry and Mm -hmm. that's totally fine I need to feel this right now Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a form of healing Mm. You know, when you're living under these forms of racism, whether they be the entrenched, sophisticated racism of the states mm-hmm. or the, you know, childish racism of Australia. Mm.
1: Guys, we're running out of time, uh, but this has been super insightful. Tyree, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your insight and knowledge with us. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can catch Tyree Barnett alongside Shirley Lee, Stephen Pham, Phoebe uh, Greener, and Sada Salaire at Works this Saturday from 11 a.m. Uh, a reading by all five in response to the Nick Cave exhibition Until and it's totally free to attend and don't forget uh, you can also purchase work by uh, writers from Sweatshop online sweatshop.ws and we'll pop the link for that online fbiradio.com if you hit to the Race Matters podcast uh, Tyree thank you so much again Thank, thank you. you so much for yeah. coming
2: Tari. it was really excellent hearing from
1: you Thank you this is great thank you This is Sampa the Great, Black Girl Magic, Simon Caldwell on Monday Sunset up next
4: Like like magic it styling, boom, black magic excellence. Poof, you need reminding. Getting round and losing shop. Ooh, my she back again. You will never end the rank We keep multiplying. Running through the evidence, They there's no denying. Some people are different, each I keep on shining. Ooh, that lady got some lip. From my mama, got the gift. We just pour some peace in it. At least we keep on trying. Now. Hold on, my youth. Hold on, my youth. I told you I was we Now I was light in a concert And I spread my voice, I was choked and belittled Then I resurrected part two as the sequel No, I'm not your voice, I just wanna be equal Gotta stand tall, we the ones, we the people Look me in the eyes, this the cards you've been dealt I don't need your table, I can sit by myself Let's take it back again Back, back to Africa Matriarchy is a fake Black women per capita I I capitan You remain my queen I saw it in my mother and I saw it in a dream Holy Spirit, how is she? You disrespect the womb Where life all come from And it is to whom Your praises to matters. Race matters Race matters Race
1: matters Race matters Race matters Race matters Race matters